Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is a Reset. Each day on Reset, we're getting you through this COVID-19 crisis by hitting it from different angles. Some days we talk to medical experts, some days it's public officials, and some days we just need to hear from someone who can help us escape it all. In that vein, we've got another Read, Watch, Do ready to go. For this edition, we've pulled in Rebecca Mackay. Her 2018 novel, The Great Believers, deals with another public health crisis, the AIDS epidemic of the 1980s. It was shortlisted for the National Book Award and was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in Fiction. She's also artistic director at Story Studio Chicago. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to Reset. Hi, thank you for having me. So how are you doing? I'm doing okay, relatively. We're getting through. We're, you know, hunkering well and homeschooling very poorly. Hmm. (laughs) I think I'm hearing that from a lot of parents that the homeschooling (laughs) part of this whole thing is it's not going great. I'm not good at it. On the other side of this, it'll be really interesting to hear the the conversations between parents and and teachers. I I would love to be a fly on the wall when you drop your kid off for that first day back (laughs) in school. (laughs) I think it'll be interesting to hear these kids talk about it when they're 25 and see what they remember. (laughs) Well, you know, before we we get into your recommendations. Your book, The Great Believers, again, was about the AIDS epidemic of the 1980s. And and here we are in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. And, and I wonder if you're drawing any any correlation or, or, or thinking about this in a specific way after writing that book. Yeah, of course. And, and to compare and contrast, of course, is not to equate. Right. Um, I think we'd be doing a grave disservice to understanding of both to equate them. But to look at dismissal based on what population is getting sick, to look at slowness of government, and to look at the way people have come together. The Great Believers is specifically about Chicago. And I see a lot of parallels in sort of the grassroots and community care that Chicago has managed both times. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into your recommendations, starting with things to read. You recommended Bel Canto by Ann Patchett. Give us a quick synopsis of the book and why you chose it. Yeah, no, this is an old one. It's from 2001. um, And a lot of people have read it, but I think it's worth rereading if if you have. It's about a group of uh, concert goers in presumably Peru, but uh, it's never really named. Uh, And there's a hostage situation there. And these people are forced to live with each other for weeks and weeks, everyone from an opera singer to a child soldier to diplomats. And I think it's wildly relevant to being quarantined with your family. Mm. Um, Hopefully, you know, uh, not quite as wild a situation as all this. But it's also escapist at the same time. It's also not the situation. So you're you're reading about something distant and almost romantic. Hmm. Well, your other book recommendation is by Thornton Wilder. Tell us about this one. Yeah, this one's even older. This is The Bridge of San Luis Rey, when the Pulitzer in 1927. I'll tell you my personal story, which is that when I was in college, I um, watched someone close to death who had fallen from a window. Uh, and it was a really upsetting, obviously, time for me. And this is the book my father sent me, kind of his book um, that he thought would help me deal with this crisis. And what it is, it's about um, a bunch of people who who die after an Inca rope bridge collapses. Again, in Peru. I didn't realize I was choosing two books that had something to do with Peru. What's going on with me subconsciously? Um, But um, it goes through their lives. And then there's this friar who has witnessed the accident. And he starts investigating the lives of everyone and trying to ask 
why and how this could have happened and trying to make sense of it all. And that's really the um, the part of it that you find kind of ultimately life affirming and uplifting. Hmm. Well, your third recommendation is When the Emperor Was Divine by Julie Otsuka. What drew you, drew you to this novel? So this one, again, it's a little bit older um, from the early aughts. And it's this beautiful, very stylized, very short, actually, novel about a family going through Japanese internment during World War II in California. And of course, so I've been recommending it for a few years as being politically relevant right now as we talk about relocation of families. But it's also about lives interrupted. And I think that's something, whether it's a pandemic or a war or whatever it is, that's something that many of us have to deal with at various times. This is a much more extreme situation than most of us will ever have to go through with. But again, I think there's something kind of um, a, a, a relevance that, that mm. we're going to relate to and, and make people help people understand this historical era better going through some minor version maybe of interruption right now themselves. Do you find yourself reaching for a certain type of reading material right now? Well, here's the secret. So the reason I'm giving you old recommendations is that I'm a judge for the National Book Award this year in fiction, uh. which means I'm not allowed to talk about what I'm reading right now. <laughs> um, it's it's total secret what I'm reading right now. But I'm reading, of course, um, whatever is sent to me. And it's it's fiction from this year, fiction published rather in, you know, in 2020. But as I think about my recommendations for friends and as I look at what I'm really responding to, yeah, it tends to be the things that maybe are uplifting our life-affirming, but also that acknowledge the depths of uh, the misery that we tend to go through in any any given life. Well, thanks for finding a, a good workaround to still bring us some <laughs> good reading recommendations. Oh, well, let's turn to your recommendations on things to watch. You recommend looking on HBO. Tell us about it. Right. So my, my it's funny because my watching tends to be much more uplift, like upbeat and frivolous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wouldn't call it looking frivolous, but it's really fun. And this was from a few years back, but you can still watch it through HBO, especially if you're missing your friends right now and being part of a group. It's about a group of gay friends right now in San Francisco navigating life in their 30s. It's funny. It's kind of escapist, but it's also real life. They also go through turmoil and it'll make you feel like you're back out there with your friends going through hijinks, despair, arguments, uh, you know, relationships, love, all those things. And it was really overlooked, I think, when it was on. Um, It was a beautiful show and so well written. Of course, you know, as a writer, I'm a writing snob when I watch TV. Uh And this is just meticulously written. All right. Well, your next recommendation is an old episode from WTTW's (laughs) Restaurant Review Show, Check, Please, um, from 2001. Panelists were reviewing Dixie Kitchen and Bait Shop in Hyde Park, which has since closed. But here's a bit from that episode. Let's listen. What about you at Dixie Kitchen, Barack? You know, I ordered the Southern Sampler just because I I couldn't make up my mind. Uh, (laughs) As I said, I, I eat there quite a bit. So a very familiar voice there. <laughs> Rebecca, why is this on it. your list of things to watch? I love it. It's one of my favorite things. If I just, it's one of my favorite things to pull out at a party when I realize people haven't watched it and someone uh-huh. starts showing some clip, I'll go, listen, you have to see this. I mean, everything about it, the fact that it's a voice we know and love, just talking about food in the most joyous way. The fact that if you watch it, I mean, his, his hair is black, you know, he looks so young and baby faced. And then it's like, this group, it's like a grad student and I'd like a construction worker and they're calling him Barack and he's, he's cool with it. Um, and it just, it makes me feel young and innocent and happy. And it just, it takes me as far away from this political moment as I can possibly go. And you can find it online. You just have to Google it. 
All right. Well, your last recommendation is something you recommend your writing students watch. And I will admit these are two of my faves, too. <laughs> you recommend Project Runway and Top Chef. Why? Oh, yeah. Okay. So for me, they're the perfect thing to have on. You can fully watch. You can half watch. You can be doing something. You can be cooking. I love that they are that genre of reality show that is kind of legitimate. I know they manufacture the arc and everything, but these are real artists. They're real chefs. They're real designers are really doing their work. And as a working artist, they're never going to make a show about writers. It would be the most boring show <laughs> in the world, right? Um, but you can see these incredible parallels. You know, someone listens too much to criticism and then they lose their own voice and they end up crying about it. And um, it's cathartic, I think, for anyone making anything creative, anyone doing anything creative, to watch someone else cry about their failed art mm -hmm. or trust themselves and, and go out doing what they believe in, you know, until they make a show about writers, which they're never going to make. This is my jam. <laughs> well, I, I watch Project Runway just out of pure admiration as someone who is hopeless with a needle. Oh, and, no and, kidding. Yeah. And for Top <laughs> chef, you know, my husband and I have these very involved conversations about why a dish is not going to work, even though we can't even taste it, but there's something <laughs> really fun and escapist about it. So I think those are great recommendations. Absolutely. Okay, let's get into your recommendations for things to do. You've got some really interesting ones. Tell us about them. Okay. So everyone's been talking about getting outside and, you know, f finding a place where you can still socially distance and walk around outside. I've been all over that. The thing I want people to consider in all of that besides nature preserves and bike trails is historic cemeteries, hmm. which I always love. Maybe that's a little weird. I don't feel right telling you which ones I think are open because I'm going to get it wrong and people are going to be mad at me. But if you if you look, there are some that are open. You can walk around, you can read the gravestones, you can think about life, you can think about people's lives, you can make up stories about the things you see. Um, and there's lots of room and uh, people aren't jogging and sweating and breathing heavily all over you. Which is not a bad thing at all. <laughs> you also recommend working on an instrument. You're practicing your, your piano playing right now? I am, yeah. I was always like a competent piano player nothing anyone wants to listen to but i you know can like read some music uh, you know i usually travel so much um for my books and for whatever else i don't have time to have a daily practice and i decided to go back to some old chopin pieces and just do them you know practice every day try to memorize them so that i have something i know that i can play um trying to set an example for my kids at the same time of course but it's it's really nice and i'd, I'd forgotten how much you lose yourself in it how much time kind of floats away when you're doing it so whatever that is for you if it's your middle school recorder whatever you know <laughs> folks folks in chicago have recorders that's that's a, a <laughs> thing here apparently oh absolutely uh, <laughs> Well, your last recommendation is one I will admit I've been uh, taking advantage of, and that's sleep in if you can. Yeah. Why sleep? Okay, here's my thing. I am someone with a really late internal clock. Left to my own devices, I go to sleep at 2 a.m., I wake up at 10, and I'm way happier with those eight hours mm -hmm. than with the eight hours that the early risers of the world have inflicted on all the rest of us <laughs> through recent human history, right? <laughs> So there's no reason not to, like, you know, at least, you know, my kids have 
been good at making themselves breakfast. Other things happen. My husband has to get up sometimes earlier for his work, but I'm sleeping in. I'm staying up late and sleeping in. And I can remember my dreams this way. My back feels better. I feel better rested. I think people should just really take the time, if you can, to think through you know, how much sleep am I getting? Is this a chance to try out? You know, maybe I need nine hours Um, and just, you know, reset. I know that not everyone can do that, but um, as I'm talking about someone with slightly older kids who don't need me to make them breakfast, et cetera, but I'm enjoying the heck out of it. Well, before we, we let you know, we let you go. I know we last spoke when you came out with The Great Believers. That was, gosh, I can't believe it was 2018, but you're now working on your next two novels. Can you give us a little yeah. taste of what they're about. Yeah, I can. Um, so I'm wor- the reason I'm working on two simultaneously is that one is my next regular literary novel for adults. And the other one is a middle grade novel for kids, oh. um, which is something I haven't published before. We, in another lifetime, I was an elementary school teacher and I used to write stories with my class. So I've done this before, but I haven't published it. So I'm writing one and I, I'm writing it for my own kids. So it's mm-hmm. it's a lot about anxiety and, and I'm working in finding another reason for school to be canceled, but it has to do with school, school being canceled and some kids yeah. dealing with that. And then my my novel for adults is uh, what I'm telling people is it's like the first season of Serial meets The Big Chill meets that old boarding school novel, A Separate Piece meets Lysistrata, that like <gasps> ancient Greek, really angry feminist play. So you can imagine whatever you want from that, but that's what I'm writing. <laughs> well, now I have something to really think about after the show. I'm going to try to connect those dots, Rebecca, but just <laughs> promise you come back and talk to us when, when oh, the, the novel's done. Of course. That Chicago-based author, Rebecca Mackay. Rebecca, thanks so much for sharing your recommendations with us. Thank and let's you. talk again. All right. And that's today's Reset. Hey, if you end up reading, watching, or doing any of the things that Rebecca mentioned, let us know about it. Leave a message at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. I'm Jen White. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And let's talk again soon. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR.